Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Quiz question of the day. Oh, gosh. Who likes presents? Me! You! You like presents. That's your correct answer. Um, I owe an apology to our listener, Ann Burke. Uh, she sent this to us w- literally weeks ago. Aww. Weeks ago, which I carefully put on the top of my bookshelf and carefully forgot <laughs> on the top of my bookshelf. And I'm bringing it to you today. She... What is it? 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 book that she found. This is a rare book. This is a rare book that she saw and thought of us. Would you Would you like to open this book? We're yes, making yes, quite yes, a collection yes, yes, yes. here, I have to say. Rare book, rare book, rare book, rare book. No. <laughs> yeah. It comes with a note. You have to read the note. The note is good. Let's just say, okay, it's called The Book of Clowns, and it's got a horrific it's clown really big. on the front. You have to understand, it's a really big holding book. Holding a candy cane. We have to assume this is from the 60s. Oh my gosh. Or something. Open, it is. I, I will more, check the pub date. More clowns. No, baby, it's nothing but. This could be called nothing okay. but clowns. The note says, Betsy... Parentheses, picture this in the voice of SNL's Stefan, who's Bill Hader's character. Yeah. I can't do it, so I'm not going to impersonate it. That's but perfectly fine. This book has everything. Clowns that would make Stephen King take a step back. A how a clown makes up section that looks like John Wayne Gacy getting ready for a night on the town. Oh, no. Animal cruelty. Incredibly bad depictions of short, saturated people. Fat shaming, blowing up the fat man, mm-hmm. police brutality, giant straight edge razors. Oh my god. It is truly a highlight of mid-century children's literature. It is. And P.S. As I previously mentioned, years ago, a director who apparently remembered this book fondly from his childhood ordered it, I assume from Amazon, and gifted it to the children's department. We kept it on a shelf in our office and took it out occasionally <laughs> to look at in amazement. And now it is in our possession to join other horrifying... We're going to make the finest horrifying clown vintage children's picture book collection in the nation. You know, if you need a book recommendation for Halloween... Actually, oh my gosh, yeah. I opened straight up to the, to no, the, this to the is, straight oh, edge razors. This is terrifying. It is maybe the most terrifying book I think I've we should put some of these hands. on Instagram just so they can oh, see. Oh, I will be putting many of these on instagram it is this is a, a terrible terrible book that we are so happy to receive thank you Anne. it even has that old book smell yeah oh with uh, that means it had <laughs> subpar glue oh i thought you were gonna say oh that means it had lead <laughs> it had asbestos you know what? for a book like this i wouldn't doubt it what do we actually talk about on this podcast oh. normally it's not fun fact it's not clowns so don't say class. Thank goodness. Don't say um, We talk about children's picture books and whether they should be deemed classics or That's not. That's correct. Uh, today's book, we actually ran to the son of the creator of this book at ALA this year. We interviewed him with a tiny mic. His son has become a children's picture book author illustrator himself. 
but his father is considered quite famous. There are entire documentaries about this man. Drummer's Hoff? Drummer Hoff? Singular. Drummer Hoff. Yes. What the heck is a Hoff? It's his name, man. He's Drummer Hoff. Then why does it say Sultan below it? What? Where? Right right there. Oh, that's the name of the canon. But it's on the title page. You're losing focus. You're losing focus. It's the same font as the title. Okay, you're right. But it's, it's got so much stuff around it, you're not supposed to be able to see that. This... Okay, fine. It's called Drummerhoff Sultan. Thank you. (laughs) It says adapted by Barbara Emberley. And illustrated by... Ed Emberley. There you go. It's a whole Emberley production. We did go away Big Green Monster. That was our previous Emberley. It's got a a gold medal. It won the Caldecott proper in, I'm going to say, 1968. What was going on in the country in 1968? Nothing. It was a very boring. A very everyone, boring year. Nothing happened. Everyone lived in harmony. Except for the Vietnam War. Remember that as you read the book. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's talk a little bit about Drummer Hoff. And I need to apologize right off the bat to Barbara Emberley. I think a lot of people forget that she was the one who adapted the text for this book. Uh, everyone remembers Ed. Oh, Ed. Wonderful Ed. But Barbara's the one who wrote the dang thing, and I'm sorry if the text isn't good. The book doesn't win a Caldecott. The text is very important. Unless there's no text at all, in which case, you know, then you're dealing with an entirely different situation. Now, the illustrations in this book, they're done in woodcuts. They're interesting because they're sort of supposed to look like colonial American engravings, but at the same time... They have a distinctive 1960s Peter Max yellow submarine kind of psychedelia thing going on. Like, you can see somebody high reading this book. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, you can. Now, the fun thing about this book is it's a folk song or folk verse, if you prefer. Um, And apparently it's adapted from a rhyme that is called John Ball Shot Them All. Okay, I, first of all, I have read a million nursery rhyme books. I have never run into this one, but he has his sources. And Ed Emberley says that this came from the book, The Annotated Mother Goose, Nursery Rhymes, Old and New, Arranged and Explained, edited by William S. Baring Gold. I'm saying all this because I need you to buy it for me, audience. Um, If anyone wants to buy me that, I actually want it. It's actually going on my Christmas list. So Uh, please buy it for me. The original rhyme. Actually, it goes this way. It's a little different than the book. You'll see. Uh, But in the original, it's like, John Patch made the match. And John Clint made the flint. And John Puzzle made the muzzle. John Crowder made the powder. And John Block made the stock. And John Brammer made the rammer. And John Scott made the shot. But John Ball shot them all, which seems very, very mean of him, considering how much work they put into this. Also, why are they all named John? I don't know, but it's... Super fun to say. I'm not going to die. It's it's super fun to say. Boom! 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 It's very nice. That's that's my contribution. That's my contribution to the to the book today. It's very nice. Thank you. I work really hard on it. Except that's not at all how it sounds in the book. Are you sure? Oh, I'm quite sure. I'm pretty sure that's. I think I did it word for word. I'm pretty sure I got it perfect. Can we just talk about this title page? Oh yeah, not not the title page. The cover. The cover. 
It's so busy. There's a lot going on. It it's such a bad cover. It's so I've heard the <laughs> I've heard the explanation that it's woodcuts like the colonial era mixed with the psychedelia of the sixties, and that's what you get. See, I'm Judgy McJudgerson. Yeah. And I judge books by their cover. I understand that. And I already don't like it. It's very red. Um, So it's faded, right? So it came out in the 60s. I'm pretty sure you probably have their first edition because that's how my library rolls. So imagine it like brighter. No. Brighter red. Absolutely not. Like like a blood. Like a blood red. The fact that Sultan is the first thing I see and not the actual (sighs) title of the book... Yeah, we Which, never get an explanation for Sultan. Like, nowhere. Not at all. Not at all. Not in their interviews. Not in the book. Not nowhere. Did no one ask I'm why? sure people asked, and maybe they answered, but I could find no. If you, gentle listeners, know so much about Drummer Hoff that you can give us the answer to this, why is the canon named Sultan? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so the very first sentence is Drummer Hoff fired it off. Which sort of, you know what, just lead with the last sentence of the book, why don't you? I mean, gives away the entire plot. No, it it makes no sense. Fired what off? Oh, well, we'll get to that. Right. Right. So I'm I'm already both angry from the cover (laughs) and frustrated and confused right and now i feel like an idiot which is like the worst feeling that's what kids love though (laughs) i'm sure they do and then you turn the page and you have private parriage brought the carriage carriage being the canon yeah that's Um, a weird word for it but okay sure no or shouldn't it be or the private tannin brought the canon well no i guess it's not the canon it's the thing that holds Uh, the canon okay call that a carriage okay I don't know. I'm getting yellow submarine know. vibes. Hell yeah, you are. A little Peter Mac. Mm-mm. It's 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 freaking me out. So Picture yourself in a... Exactly. Yeah. Except now it says Pri- private parriage brought the carriage, but Drummerhoff fired it off. Yeah, don't and... forget about Drummerhoff here. He's he's not going to be ignored. Right. With the uh, the well, okay, so I don't want to give it away, but the illustration changes a little bit on Hoff. Oh. That you might not notice unless no. you're me, because that's what I do. <laughs> well done, well done. So the now that I understand, okay, drummer Hoff is going to fire off a cannon. Even though he's just the drummer, I don't know how common it was for the drummer of a entire army to fire off the cannon. Yeah, that's not the drummer's job. Isn't there's probably a name for the cannon guy? Yeah, couldn't tell you what it was. The cannon guy. It's the cannon guy. Yeah. Though I still don't understand why the carriage says Sultan. But anyway, mm-hmm. now we have Corporal Farrell brought the barrel. And Corporal Farrell is Sergeant Pepper. In case you were yeah, wondering. Yeah, he is. He's got the mustache and everything. This, this is Sergeant mm-hmm. Pepper. So we meet him and it's and then we just go down the line and repeating what was previously said before about Private Parriage and Drummerhoff. I like the variation of noses. I'm just gonna say that right now. There's a lot of different noses. That in this is book. that is further on in my notes. Oh, you're, oh you're, I'm sorry. I'm giving gun, away man. the game. Continue, please. Okay. Well, then we meet Sergeant Chowder, who brought the powder. Mm. And I feel like Corporal Farrell is more Sergeant Pepper than Sergeant Chowder is. Oh yeah, but he. You know what? <sighs> Sergeant Chowder has the muscles to carry that very big powder container. I was thinking if an illustration could show PTSD, this is what it would be. <laughs> it would be this guy. Well, certainly his expression. And also, can you imagine? He used to be private chowder. 
Oh, is he missing a leg? He sure is, Betsy. Oh, yeah, he is. Hence the PTSD. Okay. Yeah, yep. that would be part of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Chowder, he brought the powder. Kind of a kind of a recap here. Yeah, Pharaoh brought the barrel. Parrot brought the carriage. Hoff is going to fire it off. How common was it for there to be those two guys? They're in, what would you call that? The trenches? The trenches. How often were there trenches at a time when people were wearing these big old tall hats to go to war? I'm going to say not often. Yeah. However, this is where the illustration starts changing just slightly. Mm-hmm. The drummer has a drum with a bird on it. The color of the bird's eye has now changed. What? It used to be yellow. What? It's very subtle. Oh, that's super subtle. It's, it used to be yellow. All right. And now, moving forward, it is orange. Okay, if that was a flaw in the printing process, then this book should not have won a Caldecott. I'm sorry. But this is the kind of like thing that artists notice. So yeah. I, I'm not an artist, and I saw it. Yeah, so. man. I'm just saying. Caldecott Committee, you have them things to explain. Then we meet Captain Bammer, who brought the rammer. It's like that giant Q-tip that they stick yeah, in the cannons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got three birds just chilling out on top of this thing as he's carrying it. And I really hope that they flew away before the rammer was put into the cannon. I think that's safe to say. I'm just admiring his boots. They're like over the knee. They're fabulous. Well, none of these outfits are appropriate for the battlefield. No, but his is the most gorgeous. It's the most over the top. That's what you mean. Yeah. I'm sorry. The boots. I would kill for those boots. And then we meet Major Scott, who brought the shot, i.e. the cannonball. Right. He looks like he's going to pass out yeah, any does. second. His red beard is just a twinge his, his, off the same color of his face. His face is bright pink. <laughs> is. But if you were carrying a huge, like a cannonball that must weigh as much of yours as yourself, your face would be red as a tomato too. Well, sure. And Especially if a little bird was like sitting on it and being like, rah, 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 and, in your and, face. Yeah, and mocking him. Like, there's definitely a bird theme because Major Scott has a bird on his hat, a bird on his belt. I'm not quite sure. There was a bird on the drummer's drum. So mm. clearly there's some sort of theme Birdy. happening here. Yeah, I agree. And then this is the page where uh, Major Scott, he's putting the cannonball into the cannon. Yeah. This is the page where you can really appreciate the variety of noses <laughs> among the different men because you have crooked noses and pointy noses and tiny noses mm-hmm. and, and big fat noses. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, I just appreciate I, it. I am getting the distinct feeling that each one of those guys kind of has a personality, but not Drummer Hoff, who just stands there. Yeah, looking at us he's like the a whole marine time. yeah just, you know, he's like a marine yeah no even expression. though he's a freaking drummer the lowest of the low but all right i don't i wouldn't say the drummer is the lowest i would of the most low. certainly say the drummer is the lowest of the absolutely low. not. Drummers, drummers are gonna come come for me now and they have they balance, as but, well they should but i'm sorry in the army no what's lower than the drummer the cook a private the private is higher than a drummer. The Absolutely private actually not. fights. Absolutely not. I disagree. Privates are the ones that first co- enter. Right. The drummer doesn't ever enter the fray. The a, below a drummer time. has a status. And you do start low and you work your way up through the classes and you can be a drummer and a sergeant. You right. can be a drummer and uh, a corporal. I see. So your you argument be a is drummer that he may a- be a drummer and a private. I think he'd be higher than a private, but... I don't know, man. He's the one standing there sh- shooting the thing off. <laughs> anyway, we come, anyway. To the, we come to the possessed horse. 
Oh, who, yeah. Who has general border riding him. That is a nightmare. The horse has bright orange eyes. Yeah, that's a, that's a horrible, horrible and, horse. And general border gives the order, mm. and he is not very it's smart. It's like right at him, It right? is right in front of him. I, I guess he he's thinks... He's not very bright. He, I guess he thinks he's behind the cannon Maybe and not in never front of it. he's never seen a cannon. <laughs> I mean, no one's seen a cannon like this. It is blue and purple and green and has mm-hmm. patterns on it. Oh, yeah, no. This it's is not a your average surprisingly cannon. attractive cannon. Yeah. So now all six men, excluding the drummer, are right. in front of the cannon. The oh my God, general border yells know. fire. What are you doing? It's like literally at your head. Yeah. And, uh, and the drummer... Pulls the ripcord or whatever the heck it is, and it says, not kaboom. It's not just boom? It's not just boom. Not just boom. It is kababloom. Kababloom! Yeah. I like that. No. You don't like kababloom? No. But it gives it like a little, a little oomph. But, but, I, but what, why? Because uh, you, you can. And because this... I don't know why, actually. That's a good question. What did they just want a really long word? It looks like they wanted to fill the page for some reason. Right, but why not just why. do a bigger font well, of boom? Because then you'd have less of those swirly, curly, curly cues uh, beside it. Yeah, it, it's oh gosh, this also it, Drummerhoff looks perfectly fine with the fact that he has again, literally just destroyed. I think everyone in the army. I, I think he's a marine. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. He may well be a marine, yeah. And uh, and this page just it hurts my eyes so much. But I think that's the point. It's it's red it's, with patterns everywhere. It's right. blue and purple but in the background war, with more patterns. It's it's too much. This is like the atom bomb going off, man. This is like. So now all the men have died except mm. for the drummer who has walked away. Apparently. The birds that I previously mentioned not only live but have raised a family inside of the empty cannon. Yeah. And uh, and the flowers that were in front of the cannon have grown so high that you can no longer see the word sultan written on the carriage side anymore. And gone? that's the end of the book. That's the end of the book. That's the end of the book. So... So the fun fact is that everyone read this at the time, and it was like, oh, this is an anti-war book, right? Clearly. It's like, because it shows this whole war thing and how stupid they are, and then the thing goes off, and then it shows, like, the cannon with the lovely, peaceful, you know, Eden around it. Um, The Emberleys always denied this, like, 100%. They had no interest in in saying it meant anything. Though, Ed Emberley said this, um, the book's main theme is a simple one. A group of happy warriors build a cannon that goes kabobloom. But there is more to find if you read the pictures. They show that men can fall in love with war. And imitating the birds go to meet it dressed as if to meet their sweethearts. (laughs) The pictures also show that men can return from war sometimes with medals and sometimes with wooden legs. The book's primary purpose is, as it should be, to entertain. So <laughs> I wouldn't call war entertaining. No, and uh, that's the thing. So uh, Katie Horning later was like, were the critics of the day ignoring the message? Did they not see the message? Or did they expect people to read between the lines? Perhaps in 1968, even at the height of the anti-war era, there was more tolerance for or even outright acceptance of the strong interest many young children have in toy guns and pretend explosions. Or, 
Perhaps the psychedelic counterculture colors and the final image of the cannon rusting in the field of flowers were enough to balance the violent action with an anti-war message. Uh, long story short, nobody knows what this book is actually trying to say. The Emberleys don't know. The critics don't know. The kids get to see a big old explosion. Yeah. It goes kababaloom. Yeah. Yeah. Kababaloom. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I want to put another ba in there. No. I think it was missing a ba. (laughs) It should have been kababaloom. I think it had one too many. It had one too many ba. It should have just been kabloom. Yeah. Actually, that makes more sense. I have to agree. Ratings time. You go first. Um, I've always been kind of weirdly fond of it, but... Look, did I ever read it to my own children? I did not. I did not read it to my children. Maybe I did once, just because, but it's not, the problem was, and I see what the problem is right now, when I was, um, and you'll hear this in the bit I did when you were out of the room, I found the original poem they based it on, which is so much more rhythmic than the one they came up with. I'm sorry, Barbara Emberley, it, it, it just honestly is. This one does not come trippingly off the tongue. Um, I love the psychedelic imagery, but I can't figure out what the heck it's trying to say. Kids can't figure out what it's trying to say. The creators don't know what it's trying to say. So I think it's a perfectly beautiful book in many ways. I love the era it's coming from, but that's not enough to make a great picture book. So uh, 4.5. Okay. Yeah. I like the rhyming, and yeah. I, I like the different noses. But I do it, love the noses. But it's not my kind of art, so I may not have voted to give it the Caldecott if I were on the committee that year. Am I going to remember this book? No. Am I you going? You might. Nope. Am I going to remember the title? Definitely not. No, you're not going to remember the title, but you might remember the Kababloom. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's it's colorful. And it is. Um, I, I don't, I would not call this a classic per se. I gave it a solid four. So between the two of us. With our scores combined, this is our 100th, not a classic. Not a classic. Yay! Oh, huzzah. We have denied a hundred books. That is far less than the number that we've said are classics. Yeah. It's about a third. You know, that's why I give them to you, Kate. So we can find things that we can reject (laughs) forthwith. I do Literally don't think the Emberleys would care. Uh, it came out in the 60s, for God's sake. So, I, I yeah. would love for people to write in and say, this is absolutely a classic. How I dare you? I would love to hear a defense of... Because <laughs> it's not ever mentioned. I'm sorry. It's not because it, it's just not. So, yeah, if you wish to defend your beloved drummer off, uh, please write us at fusekdate at gmail.com. Sure. Letters time. Ooh, Ooh lots of letters this time. Uh, this first one comes from Sarah. Hello, Sarah. She says, hi, Betsy and Kate. Hello. Long time listener, first time writing in here. I love the show. I'm thinking the weird spelling for jacuzzi is because jacuzzi is trademarked. Oh, this is about the previous book Right, that we this did. is about John Henry. Right. Where randomly the where word jacuzzi Where he created, a, he made a jacuzzi for his folks. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and the spelling was very weird. And as she points out, jacuzzi is trademarked. And Julius Lester probably didn't want to get sued. That's okay, very smart. That's my guess. Thanks so much for doing a high quality podcast that's a joy to listen Aww. to. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Sarah. It's I don't know about high music. quality, but... I mean, <laughs> I haven't burped on here once, Because so. I edit them all out. That's Shush, it. no. <laughs> uh, another one comes from A. Collins, who's also talking about John Henry, and says, I need to listen slash read to this one. I am also part of Gen X, and we had picture slash word books that had little vinyl records that went with them. 
One of the books was about John Henry, and it was my favorite one. It's the one I still remember listening and following along in the book to. I think this is where my love of audiobooks started. I am excited to look this one up and get it for nieces and nephew. Aww. Thank you, A. Collins. And final one from Rich Michelson, buddy of mine, owns a magnificent gallery of children's literature art in Amherst, uh, Massachusetts. Y'all need to visit sometimes the Rich Michelson Gallery. And he writes and he says, hi, Betsy. Apparently not you, can. Apparently. Apparently not you. Uh, it has been way too long since you stopped by the gallery, but come by soon and see the original Pinkney watercolors from John Henry. That's right, folks. He's got the originals. And then in parentheses, he says, oh, and as a bonus, I will also show you the original Ezra Jack Keats watercolors of John Henry because there was a previous John Henry by Ezra Jack Keats from the snowy day. Thank you, Rich. Uh, That is insane. He gave some links, so I will be putting those in the show notes. Nice. So if anyone is in Massachusetts, they can just swing on by. Please do. And And it's not far from the Eric Carle Museum of Picture Book Arts. Oh, nice. You can make a day of it and visit other people's work. And if anyone wants to write a letter just to me, you know, that'd be cool, too. I'm just saying. And if anyone wants to send us money for us to go to such a place, (laughs) uh, we will also accept that. You want money? I just want a letter to me. That's all. (laughs) Poor baby. Grown-up things we like. Well, this is kind of sort of about, you know, this book was about war. So my recommendation has a war theme to it. Oh, so does mine. Oh, interesting. Oh, this will go very well. So it's uh, a five episode docuseries on Netflix called The Devil Next Door. It's about an old Ukrainian auto mechanic worker who lived in Ohio in the 80s and was suspected of being not only a Nazi, but a Nazi nicknamed Ivan the Terrible. Uh, the docuseries goes through his getting arrested, being deported to Israel, the trial, his lawyers, the victims of Treblanka, and uh, and what happens after the trial. The docuseries shows footage I have never seen from the Holocaust that I would not recommend you have your children look at. Noted. However... It's worth watching for every adult, especially because, A, we don't have too many survivors left of the Holocaust. B, we don't have many Nazis left alive, I should say, from World War II. Um, And C, for some reason, Nazis are becoming really popular again, uh, which is disturbing. So educate yourselves, educate your kids, never forget, and don't be complicit to what's happening in the world today. So watch... The Devil Next Door on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Ooh, that's a good one. Thank you. Uh, I'm also World War II, but in a very different way. So you and I saw the Barbie movie. Yes. But what we didn't see, we didn't see the Oppenheimer movie. Correct. So I went and saw the Oppenheimer movie. Okay. uh, With my husband. Went out and saw it. Lovely Saturday night. I knew it was going to be different from the Barbie movie. There's a, a lot, bit. a lot more cowboy hats. Yeah. Less pink. Less pink. Uh, yeah, a little more dusty red. I'd say. Okay. Overall, uh, it's great. I did not expect to say this, uh, but it is actually a really good movie. Um, which could have gone any which way. I knew the story basically thanks to Steve Shankin's uh, book Bomb, which really broke down the whole thing for kids and gave me a lot of background information. So I knew some of the stuff in there. It has more cameos than you can shake a stick at. It's got Robert Downey Jr. Uh, He will make you forget he ever played Iron Man. He is playing a villain of the nth degree. He's delightful. Uh, The script bounces through three different time periods, but you never lose track, which is really impressive. 
It makes Oppenheimer out to be a very complicated person. He's not all good. He's not all bad. It's a it's an anti-bomb movie. I'm sorry. I don't understand people who watch this and are like, this is very pro the bomb. I'm like, it is not. You walk away and you're like, socialism, eh? Tell me more. Um, but I will say when it comes to the women's roles, it falls flat. I did not enjoy how the women were depicted in this film. Does it pass the Bechdel test? It does not. And it does so many tropes that I'm so tired of. Uh, it has. I thought this was supposed to be a grown-up thing you like. <laughs> I do like the movie, but I do wish that it had been better with the women. Okay. The movie is overall great, but uh, you know. So if you want to the... see a movie that's good for female characters, go see Barbie. Precisely. <laughs> I think this is why they pair together so well because there is literally a scene in Oppenheimer where a woman is like. I'm just a biologist. I don't understand your physics. Explain it to me. It's like, well, and I'm like, this is straight of the Barbie movie. Come on. So watch them together. But Oppenheimer, there are some great performances. There's some great writing. It's a great movie too. Uh, just don't go and see it if you expect to see women in any uh, particularly interesting role. Okay. There you go. Great. Yeah. Yay. Wonderful. Well, if you could please take that clown's book out of my house, I would greatly appreciate it. Oh, I'm adding it to our it. collection. We have a collection at my house of oh. all the clown books that people have been sending us, all the old children's clowns. Remember the one with the zipper of the mouth on the clown cover? You don't remember that one? I blocked that out of my mind. Tell you what, I will come over here in the middle of the night when you're sleeping, <laughs> creep into they, your home, because I have the, the door code for your, you for sure your door, do. and yep. then like wake you up by great. just like unzipping its mouth in, in front oh, of you. Great. So okay, thanks. So until I do that to Kate and lose my co-host, weirdly, the same night, uh, I've been Betsy. Okay. Okay, bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKDate at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Drew Atienza, who fluffed the credenza, is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Atienza and Betsy Bird.